All right. Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. We're going to uh, utilize a couple of verses today. We're going to pick up where we left off in Ephesians chapter 5. We're also going to go to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to go to Psalm 119. Um, And so you can put a marker in those if you want to. If not, you can follow along with us on the screen. Last week, uh, we, we continued in our theme which is uh, the idea of be. What do we want to be? What do we want 2016 to be? Uh, What do we want our lives to be in 2016? How do we want to exist? How do we want to live? How do we want to be? And, And this is the idea. So we started with the idea that God wants us to be near. He wants us to be near him. And then last week we built on that, and not just we want to be near him, but we want to be filled. And Paul actually, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, here's what he says. Uh, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What powerful words by the Apostle Paul. And, And what I love here is, these are not suggestions. When he says, be filled... The Greek here is, and and I think when you read it in English, this is a command, be filled. And so we talked about how we have to make room for God. If you'll remember, we filled up the rock, the bucket full of small rocks and talked about how our life, our emotions, uh, alcohol or, or drugs, or there's all type of things that control us and influence us and they fill up our life. And then we say, God fill us, but there's no room to get God in. It's not that we don't go to church. It's not that we don't pray, but we, ha- we don't have room in our lives for God. And so we have to get the other stuff out so that God can put his stuff in. And he wants to fill you with power. After, and, and the Bible says that they received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. He wants to fill you with his gifts, um, the, the gift of words of wisdom, the gift of faith, working of miracles, all these type things you see in the book of 1 Corinthians. Then he keeps on and, and, and he fills us with the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and goodness and, and kindness and self-control. And there's this amazing thing that when we relinquish control to the Holy Spirit, because that's what the issue is in this verse, who's controlling you, who's influencing you, who's filling you. And when we relinquish control to the Holy Spirit, he actually gives us back self-control or more control than we had in the first place. But you know what? That's not uncharacteristic from God because God is a multiplier. And whatever we give to him, he multiplies back to us. And you find this theme running throughout scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. That God is a multiplier and when we give to him, he multiplies and gives back to us. We don't give to get, but because we give, he turns around and multiplies back to us. And so when we give control, he multiplies self-control back to you. That's not a bad deal. So I want to pick up with this because I I ended and I I mentioned to you, and some of you may have missed it, but I mentioned to you that I wanted to tell you how to stay filled. How to stay filled. Because this, this is where it gets really difficult. You know, I, I, I've lived for God uh, all of my life. I was raised as a pastor's kid, and most of you know that. I've been to conferences and, and preached conferences and been to conferences and camps and youth camps and kid camps and revival services and uh, everything you can imagine. That's what my life has been about. 
And I've found myself in, self in this place where if I'm not careful, I end up filled and then I run out and I'm dry again. Maybe you can relate. You come to a service like last Sunday morning and God's really moving on you. And you pour yourself out and you make room for God. And he fills you and you're like, yes, I've never felt so good before. I've never felt like this from you, God. This feels great. And you leave here and on Sunday you're good. And on Monday you're good. And on Tuesday you're kind of good. And on Wednesday you're okay. And on Thursday you're barely hanging in there. But by the time you get to Friday, you're dry and empty again. You know, maybe yours lasts a week, and maybe it lasts a month, and maybe it lasts uh, a while. Maybe it doesn't last at all. But here's the truth. Paul tells us to keep on being filled. This is what he says. When, when you go back and read it, and, you, and you, you, you read it in the actual Greek, he doesn't just say be filled. He's saying to keep on being filled. Watch what he says in the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish Bible. Instead, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. In the complete Jewish Bible, this is what he says. Keep on being filled. Because Paul understood something. It is not enough to be filled with the Holy Spirit once. Because the whole idea is that he fills you so you can be poured out. You are not a pond in the backyard that is stagnant and just holding water and growing algae. You were meant to be a river where the Holy Spirit fills you and then you turn around and pour it out on the world around you. It's not all for you. It's to be poured out. It's to help you in your life. It's to help you as you go through circumstances. So when he gives you that power and when he gives you those gifts and when he gives you the fruits of the Spirit, they're not to be just held up and say, man, I've got to protect this at all costs. No, no, no. The whole idea is if we'll keep pouring out, he'll keep pouring in. But what do we do when we pour out and we get empty? You know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you can relate to this. But you come in and you get filled. And God really touches you. Maybe it's a good worship service. Maybe it's when you're in your prayer time. Maybe it's during a message. Maybe you answer an altar call. And whatever it is, you just really, you're like, you're full. And you feel great. And all is well. And, and things are going good. And you go to work. And you were pouring out love. And you were pouring out love. And you were pouring out love. But people just kept on. And suddenly you hit a wall. And you were being loving until you were not being loving. Right? You were being patient and you were being kind and you were talking softly and they're just going at it. And I mean, just be everywhere and you're being patient and you're being kind. And then all of a sudden you run out. Have you ever been in that place you don't, where you just run out and you're like, that's it. That's it, Lord. I was trying to do it your way. Now it's my turn. And I know none of you would ever do this, but, but you know, you're, you were doing good. You were, at, you were doing the wise thing. You were acting with wisdom. You were speaking with wisdom. You, were, you, were, you said, I'm going to get out of debt this year. And you were, doing, you were being wise with your money. Wise with your money. Wise with your money. Until you decided you wanted to do something else. And you said, I can't take it anymore. i got to get out of here. I'm going on a cruise and spend all my money. We were, we were, we were being wise until we weren't. And we were being foolish again. Not that going on a cruise is foolish. But understand what I'm saying. You were in control. 
Boy, you were, man, I was, you were operating in self-control. You were saying no to the devil, no to the world, yes to God. It was going great, and then all of a sudden, the temptation was too strong, and you gave in. You had self-control until you didn't. And, and I find in our lives that this is the way it works. We're filled, and we're pouring out, and we're pouring out, and we're pouring out. But if we're not careful, we get to a place in our lives where we run empty, and it's like we hit that wall, and all of a sudden, the gloves are off. And that's why Paul said, it is so important that you keep on being filled. Because if the whole idea is that as you're walking through your life, the whole idea is for you to pour out the Holy Spirit, to pour out the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to pour out the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and you just, you're going to keep walking with it, at some point you'll end up empty again. And here's the problem. We, we talked about this last week. Nature abhors a vacuum, and the moment you're empty, if you don't refill yourself with the Holy Spirit, it won't take a moment, but that anger and the hatred and the patience and the end of frustration and the depression and all those things it will fill you in just a moment like you were you were walking in the fruit of the spirit and then all of a sudden all of those what the bible calls the works of the flesh fill you again man it doesn't take long for anger to take over it does not take long for unforgiveness to take over and paul said i want you to keep on being filled One translator said it like this, I want you to constantly be filled. Because he knew. Man, think about it. Paul had some perspective on the subject. He and the the other apostles and the disciples, they had a serious perspective. Everywhere they went, they were being poured out. Sometimes for good. Sometimes they were being poured out and people were being healed and, and the gift of the working of miracles were, were, and people were being healed and, and blind eyes were open and the, the lame were walking. But other times, and often they went together and the very next breath after preaching the word of God and pouring out and seeing miracles in the very next breath, they would be captured, they would be thrown in prison, they would be tortured. Many of them were even martyred. Paul had some perspective on this deal. And so he said, here's what we've learned. you got to keep on being filled. But how do we do that, Pastor Ramden? How do we keep on being filled? Well, I'd like to take a look at the apostles, uh, at at the disciples. In Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The original outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. And, I, and, and then they go through and they start doing the work of the ministry and the church is exploding. By Acts chapter 4, there are 5,000 people in the church. God is doing amazing things. But in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are standing there at Solomon's portico and, and they're preaching and they're preaching Jesus resurrected and, and miracles are being done. And all of a sudden, the rulers say, nope, that's enough. And they arrest them. They say, no more. They arrest them. They throw them in jail. The next day, they put them uh, on trial. And here's what what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, I want you to note something. When, When Peter steps up, he was already filled. Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went into the situation filled. Now he's on trial. Now they're fighting for their lives. Put this in perspective with me. They have just, a few months before, seen Jesus arrested, 
beaten, hung on a cross, where he then died. This is the framework in which they are living. They don't know what's about to happen. The same people that arrested Jesus and crucified him have now arrested them. Can you understand that they had an opportunity to be a little bit anxious? Can you understand that they had an opportunity to have a little bit of fear going on? And yet Peter, he didn't back down. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up and he begins to speak to them. And he speaks with boldness. And he speaks the truth. And, he, and, he, and I believe he operates in a gift of words of wisdom. Because the Holy Spirit told him exactly what to say. And at the end, here's what happens in the story. They say, you know what? They, they threaten them and they rebuke them. But they cannot punish them. Because Peter had said all the right things. Peter was a fisherman, guys. He wasn't educated. He wasn't like the Apostle Paul who had education, uh, doctorates, and all these things. He didn't have all that. He was a fisherman. The Holy Spirit spoke through him, gave him words of wisdom, and he said exactly the right thing, and they ended up letting them go. But here's what we find. Put yourself in his position. They get through that, they're empty again. Why are they empty? Because they poured it all out. They, they laid it all on the line. They, their lives were on the line. They were giving it all. The next thing that they do, what do they do when they're empty? They know exactly what to do. They go find their friends, and they get together with other believers, and they start praying. And man, they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, here's what he says. Then the house, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what the disciples did. We went through a situation, and we poured everything we had out. What do we do? They went back, and they got with the people of God, and the Holy Spirit filled them again. How did they know to go back? How did they know it would work? They didn't sit around and cry out, Holy Spirit, we're out. We don't know what to do now. We used it all up. They knew exactly what to do. How did they know exactly what to do? And I'll tell you, because it's what they had been doing all along. You go back to Acts chapter 2. As I said to you, the Holy Spirit is poured out. They come out of the, out of the room. Peter starts preaching. 3,000 are added to the church that day, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptized. I mean, I'm going to tell you what, this was quite the service, right? 3,000 sinners came into the kingdom of God. What a day. What a day. And here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. They worshiped together. Here's how they lived when they left there. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want you to note that they did two things here. The first thing that they did, and this is how they stay filled every day. This is how they stay filled. They, they were doing two things all, all along. Number one, they went to the temple to worship together with people who believed like them. You know what they did? They went to church. They went to church. How did the disciples stay filled? Number one, they went to church with people that believed like them, that wanted to worship like they did, that wanted to reach out for God like they did. They went to church. Number two, they had life teams. 
I mean, they didn't call them life teams, but that's what they did. They went to people's homes day after day, and they would gather together, and they would pray together, and they would talk, and they would encourage one another, and they would break bread together, which meant they would take communion together, and they, they were involved in a small group. How did the disciples stay filled? They went to church with people that believed like them, and they were involved in a life team. That's what they did. So when they come out of this trial where they're running out, they knew exactly what to do because they had known what they'd already been doing for weeks now. Already been doing for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. They had been doing this same thing. They're going to church, and they're involved in the life team, and they found themselves, when I'm dry, I know what to do. i got to get to church with people that believe like me and that want to worship like me, and i got to get involved in the life team. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. All right, because some of you are just looking at me. Um, now, let's back it up, because I think David understood some things as well. When you study the life of, of King David in the Old Testament, he, he understood the power and the blessing of being united with other believers. In, in Psalm 119, and I want to skip down to just verse 79. Here's what he said. Let me be united with all who fear you and with those who know your laws. David understood, man, there's people coming against me. They were lying about him. They, they, were, they were fighting against him. And he said, what do I need to do? I've got to get united together with other people who fear you and who know your laws. I've got to get connected with people that are trying to walk this thing out themselves, that are going through stuff themselves. And if we could somehow unite together, we could do some great things. You know, I got to tell you that in 2016, how do I want to be? How do I want to live? How do I want to exist? I want to be just like David and just like the disciples. I want to be united with a people of God. I want to be united with people who fear God and know his laws and want to know him and are, and are reaching out to try to make an impact on their world and that are trying to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to be united with people who want to see God do big things in our world and big things in your life. I want to be united with the people of God. I want to be united with you. That's how I want to be in 2016. One more verse. And then I've got some great stuff to tell you about. And this is uh, in Genesis chapter 11. If you've been reading the Bible with us, uh, you would have read this just a few days ago. And it's the story of the Tower of Babel, uh, how the people got together and they didn't want to be scattered around the earth. So they got together and said, we're going to build a tower into the heavens. And God comes down to check on what they're doing. He says, look, the people are united. And they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. What do, when the people of God unite with a divine cause, nothing is impossible. When people to come together with a, with a divine cause, with a, with a God cause to do something for the kingdom of God, when they unite... Here's the principle in the Word of God. Nothing will be impossible. I, I, I want to challenge you that this year, as we unite together, as the people of Triumph are united together to build thriving churches that are making a huge impact on this region of Texas and the world, I believe that 2016 is a year of the impossible. 
I believe it's a year of the impossible. I believe it's a year when God is going to help us do impossible things. What do you mean, Pastor Renan? I'm talking about the, the impossible conversions, impossible salvations, people that, that said there is no way. That, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul-type conversions who were out actively voting and working against the church, threatening the church, and yet one moment with God and he turned everything around. I'm believing for that kind of conversion impossible conversions. I'm talking about your family members who have said, don't ever say it to me again. Don't ever talk to me about it again. I don't want to hear it. I don't, I will never. And yet God is saying, this is the year of the impossible. I'm talking about, yeah, you can clap. I'm talking about impossible marriage situations where you said it's over, it's done, nothing else can happen. We're going to the lawyer and God's stepping in and say, you know what? I'm turning this thing around and I'm going to do the impossible in marriages this year. I'm talking about people who say, Lord, I want to get out of debt this year, but I don't know how. And it seems impossible. And God says, if you'll not unite together with the house of God and the people of God, nothing will be impossible. And I believe that people are going to get out of debt in 2000. 16. How do I want to be? I want to be united with you and I want to see the impossible done. God has big things. He has big things in store for triumph. He has big things in store for you. And 2016 is our year to see them happen. Will you be united with me? Will you join together? Will you get involved and, and will you serve? Will you get in a life team? Will you be faithful to church? Because when you do, when you get united, watch how God will do the impossible, not just as a church, but he'll do it in your life. Here's the th thing. I need to be united with you because it helps me stay filled. But I also need to be united with you because together we can see impossible things done. For 30 plus years, we have been watching God do the impossible at Triumph. For my entire life, we have been watching God do the impossible. One thing after the other. They said it couldn't happen. They said it wouldn't work. They said it doesn't make sense. You know what? In this room today, you look around, and we have people from all walks of life, but specifically, we have people from all ethnicities, and they said in Beaumont, Texas, it will never happen. And yet, here we sit. Here we are. Because united. When the people of God are united, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Here's what we're going to do. I want to pray for you really quickly that it would be the year of the impossible for you. And then we're going to go to the videos and, uh, and we're going to transition the service a little bit. But right now I feel the Holy Spirit leading me and I want to pray over you. And whatever it is in your life that as I'm talking today, you're saying that's impossible. I want to speak to that thing. Doesn't matter what it is, I want to speak to that thing in your life. God, right now, for every need, for every situation, for every impossible thing, God, you are the God of the impossible. And when we are united together, nothing is impossible for your people. Nothing is impossible for triumph. Nothing is impossible as all of our campuses are united together like never before. One church, multiple locations. God, I am believing that this is the year where impossible things become possible, where, where, where there were no's before, they're going to turn to yeses. Where there was no way before, suddenly there's going to be a way.
And Lord, we're going to give you the glory. We're going to give you the praise. And we're going to give you the honor. I declare that as we are connected with triumph and we are come in unity with triumph and the people of triumph, we're going to be filled and we're going to keep on being filled. And we're going to never run out. We're going to pour out your Holy Spirit everywhere that we go. And yet we're going to continually be filled as we stay connected to the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a year of the impossible for you. All right. I want you to receive that. I want you to get ready. It's going to be a great year. Now, we're going to make a shift here. You okay? Can you shift with me? Let's go to the video screen. Every day, I come into contact with all different types of people. And though we are all unique, I find that many of us are searching for some of the same things, for hope and happiness, for love and acceptance. We're searching for a place to connect, for a place to belong, trying to discover the meaning of life. We are in need of purpose and significance. And as I see all this, I am reminded of how much God loves each of us. In fact, the Bible is really a love story between God and man. We were created to be in relationship with him. And though we may turn away, he has never given up on us. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins so that no matter who we are or what we've done, there would always be a way back into relationship with him. And it's in that relationship that we find the hope, the happiness, the significance, the life that we are seeking. Jesus came for us to have that life. He came to save us and heal us, to free us. And he came to build his church. He knew that he needed his people to unite together if they were going to reach the world. As a kid, I remember hearing my father, our senior pastor say that the local church is the hope of the world. He would say how it was God's plan to reach our world with the gospel of Christ. Later, I read the words of Pastor Bill Hybels who wrote, There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. The potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. And it's with this heart and this realization that our pastors founded Triumph Church in 1983. And for over three decades, Triumph has been reaching people with the message of Christ. We've been about helping people. Through the years, our methods have changed, but our heart and our purpose has not. The face of triumph has changed, but our mission has not. Year after year, we have found innovative ways to unite people with God and their church. From massive productions to international conferences, from a national television show to outstanding children's ministries, our heart has been for people. In 2002, we embraced the vision to build one church multiple locations. And from that, Triumph Beaumont was launched out of our Nederland campus. In 2008, Triumph Sugarland Stafford kicked off. And in 2013, Triumph DC began. And then in 2015, Trinity Christian Center joined us as our newest campus, Triumph Angleton. Now, all of our campuses are strong and healthy and reaching thousands of people every week. But we've continued to innovate. Our weekend services are designed with people in mind. We love to worship God with passion and energy. We love to learn the truths of God's word. Our services are designed where people from all walks of life can find God, find answers, and find hope. 
Growth Track is our membership class. If you want to discover purpose for your life, if you wanted to see what it looks like to follow Jesus, if you want to connect with Triumph, sign up for Growth Track today. Life teams are the small groups of Triumph. They are designed to bring people together. It's through relationships that real growth and life change happens. It's here that discipleship takes root. Life is better with people. It's better in a life team. Our dream team is a group of incredible people that have discovered their gifts and passions and are actively serving in them. Whatever your gift or passion is, we have a place for you to get involved. It's the same heart and the same purpose from 1983, but in a 2016 package. You were meant for big things, for great things, and together we can make a huge difference in our world. United, we can help so many people. Triumph has a new look, a new face. We have a new website to help people discover Triumph before they ever step foot in our building. We are excited to tell you that our brand new Triumph app is available in the App Store right now. It will allow you to connect with Triumph, to sign up for Life Teams, watch services live or archived. You can download sermon notes, read the Bible, and you can give safely and securely. And most importantly, you can do it all from one place. It's another step in building one church, multiple locations. It is a great day for Triumph, and I want you to be a part, to connect with God, to find significance, to find hope and happiness, and to help us reach our worlds for Christ. Be united with us today. Welcome to the new Triumph.